Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. And now, as it's the last weekend before Christmas, many of you might have only had time for a quick little look at the results this weekend. But never fear, as here on the Football Social Daily, we've got you covered absolutely on everything that has gone on in what's been a goal-filled 48 hours of action. And with the Coca-Cola lorry firmly out of action this Christmas, we'll be following that goal train as it rained goals at Old Trafford and at Selhurst Park. And it's South London, where we kick off the show in part one, as Liverpool racked up a record-breaking Premier League win for them with a 7-0 thrashing of Crystal Palace. In part two, we're going to be skipping across the capital to talk about Jose versus Brendan as Leicester won 2-0 at Spurs. And then in part three, it's two wins for the Red and the Blue Halves of Manchester, plus all the other action. My name's Fergal Brennan, and a break from my usual cynical self, I'll be trying to spread a little bit of Christmas cheer on the show tonight. And joining me to do just that, we have Manchester City fan Natalie Pike. Natalie, how are we? I'm good, love. I'm, yeah, this is a bad night for me to be on recording this show into after the weekend's results. Ugh. Uh, but never fear, we also have a man who can always be relied on to spread a little bit of Christmas cheer or any cheer, a little bit of magic dust, a little bit of fairy dust. Jay Motti from the Manchester United fan podcast, The Stretford Paddock. Jay, how's things? I've just about got a voice to do this because, uh, yeah, I've been screaming in happiness at the, uh, the emphatic win of our old rivals' leads over our old rivals. It's been long overdue because we've had to wait 16 years for it in the Premier League. Right, uh, we're going to get to that bit of excitement in part three. Man City winning against Southampton and obviously as Jay, the party pooper ahead of Christmas, ruining it that Manchester United battered Leeds 6-2 at Old Trafford. So we're going to start on a bit of a negative for you two. Think of this as a Christmas tradition that you hate. You're having to kiss an auntie that might have a bit of a beard. You're having to choke down your sprouts or, or whatever it is that you hate about Christmas. Liverpool 7-0 away at Crystal Palace. Neither of you would have been exactly jumping for joy about this. But now I'm going to go to you first on this when you look at a result like this as a Manchester City fan do you think 
wow, 7-0, they've destroyed Crystal Palace. My God, what's still to come? Or do you kind of brush it off and say, Liverpool, defending champions, they should be battering Crystal Palace, maybe not by seven, but they should be sweeping them apart? No, I, I look at it as, oh, God damn, how annoying. They're clicking at this time of year when there is so many games and they they looked utterly, completely ruthless. So I was working yesterday at the um, Manchester City-Southampton, well, at the game, but I was covering the Southampton City game for City, but we have a studio in the Etihad. So we were set up in the Etihad ready to do the, the pre-match for the game. And we had the Liverpool game on on a laptop that we were just sort of keeping an eye on while we were getting ready. And the first goal went in and I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe and then the second and third and uh it just got to the point where we switched it off and I was like I don't just you know I don't need to know anymore and then we were doing our pre-match show when I got um, a, a little word from the director in my ear just saying by the way it's finished 7-0 and my heart sank a little bit like yeah I can't even I can't even wrap that up I just it, you know they were absolutely ruthless absolutely unrelenting totally one-sided attacking football I mean they what eight shots on target seven goals yeah this just I'm gutted. Jay, you're normally one to get right behind Liverpool when they've been successful. <laughs> Natalie's obviously upset. You can be a bit more positive about this. Um, Jurgen Klopp's been kind of taking the mickey out of because he's been upset about fixture pile-ups and kick-off times and, and various things. But he's showing at the moment that even with the injuries they've got, the, the players that they do have available, and they're able to bring Mo Salah on for the last 30 minutes and he knocks in another two goals. The way, as, as Nat says, they're clicking into gear at the moment doesn't look good for those around them and, and yeah we can talk about Palace and the fact that they're not pulling up any trees but everyone else will look at that and think this is the benchmark we've got to get to yeah unfortunately you, you're both right I mean when um, Virgil van Dijk got his injury you thought okay are they going to struggle now because he'd been such a almost like a talismanic defender for them he sort of reinvigorated the entire team um, you know, and how often does a defender come in and almost be a, well, not almost, but be a, a contender for the Ballon d'Or? And that's what he'd done. And you look at it, you think, OK, they've lost him. Are they going to struggle? But they haven't really, have they? They have kicked on. And when you see them battering a Palace team who, it's easy to dismiss Palace, but they're not that bad under Roy Hodgson. You know, I mean, they beat United. I mean, that's not saying much at Old Trafford early doors this season, but they beat us at Old Trafford. Roy Hodgson's got them well organised. They've got some dangerous players. And he absolutely, absolutely took them to the cleaners. So, yeah, it does seem to be coming right. They've, they've, they've sort of he's managing his team well he's doing all the right things and it, it makes me absolutely sick because it's like you know I was hoping this Liverpool title challenging winning thing would be a bit of a flash in the pattern but it doesn't seem that way mm. the wow. Liverpool fans that are, that are listening to this are going to be so happy to hear a City fan and a United fan depressed at this result <laughs> I'm just amazed that Jay has managed to look at Liverpool's performance last season and go ah flash in the pan flash in I the pan I come and go right. come and go yes, flash yeah, in the pan it's, it's so easy how you try and convince yourselves like I think well most teams only have a couple of you know title challenges or back to back um, you know when City finished uh, when Liverpool finished second to City they had 98 points or whatever it was so that's almost like winning this title then they've done it again but they so they're probably not going to do three in a row do you know what I mean and it's like no come on let's not kid ourselves they're, they're doing um, it pains me to say it but yeah they are looking good and when you've got like you say people coming off we know what Mo Salah's capable of but Minamino getting goals Firmino who's you know started scoring as well I know he, he's, he's, he's been that sort of defensive striker for them but now he scores goals as well and also, I know he's not been playing because he's been injured, but Jotu came in and has just been an absolute revelation. I don't think anyone expected him to have the impacts that he's had. So they're looking good and they've also got, eventually, Van Dijk to come back. But before that, 
Thiago Alcantara, who I'm a big fan of, and it just knocks me absolutely sick. It's putting me off my Christmas dinner already. <laughs> Jay, yeah. Jay, in terms of in terms of title wins, as a United fan, you're you're the wise sage in this. United, the most successful team in, in Premier League history. Nat's kind of mentioned that she looks at this result and thinks, "Oh God, what's coming around the corner?" But do you agree with that, or do you think it's you know the results that you get, the t- the tough one nils away from home, or that famous Vincent Company goal against Leicester, where you saw this title going for City? Do you think it's those games that decide the title, or do you think it's these performances that almost scare other teams into submission? I mean, it can be a mixture of both. I think historically, and going off what I know as a as a United fan, it was the gritty one nils away at Charlton Athletic, or the you know the last minute. 2-1 win at home to Sunderland or whatever, where you look back at the end of the season, you go, those are the games, those are the ones that, you know, helps us get over the line. But we know how close it's been over the last few seasons. Liverpool and City, and this is knocking me absolutely sick, but it has been those two going at it, Hammer and Song, and, you know, when one sort of raises the bar, the other one does. And, and you know, years ago, it was like that with United. We had it with Arsenal, you know, I think it was, a, was it eight seasons, I think it was where only United and Arsenal won the title. And when one team raises the game, the other one would do, and it sort of edges you on a little bit. And even sort of from a, just a basic logistical point of view, looking at it, a 7-0 win, you know, goal difference-wise, that does you the world of good anyway. And also, you know, when it comes to sort of the end of the season, you're looking at those games, you're looking at it and thinking, right, not only did we get the win, but we also, you know, we managed to boost our goal difference because okay, it doesn't usually come down to confidence, but it doesn't hurt to have that cushion if you need it as well. So, yes, in answer to your question, you do look at it and you do go, it's the, the grinding out the results that count. But when you can go and blow teams away, when you can make easy work of it, when you can rest players or bring players off from sort of early doors because you're already three or four goals up, come the end of the season, that can make a hell of a difference. Uh, Nat, obviously, Sadio Mane, just the one goal for him, two for Firmino and two for Salah off the bench. It was Salah that came on for Mane in the second half and Mane was visibly annoyed by it. And anything that you see on Twitter, whenever the three of them play, and particularly when they play well, it's it's always that meme of Mane looking annoyed and Firmino with the cheeky smile. Klopp obviously played it down in his post-match press conference, but Mane was annoyed. Is this just kind of one of those things when you're an elite team looking to secure a title or defend a title that top players are going to get angry about being substituted? Or do you think this is something that Klopp's going to have to look at? No, I, I think I, I want my player to be angry at that point when they're, they're that free scoring, you know, and, and he's got the chance of, you know, a, a, the, the, you know, eight, like I said, eight shots on target, seven goals, everything that's coming their way, they're pretty much, you know, putting in the back of the net. He's got a great chance of scoring. I want my player to be angry. I don't want my player to be happy to come off. Obviously, you, you, there is, you know, they, they have to be team players. There has to be team spirit. But I want my player to stay on the pitch to score goals. So I'm totally behind him being angry at coming off. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Uh, obviously, just for the interest of the balance, Jay, we're going to have to talk about Crystal Palace absolutely cut to bits by Liverpool. And yeah, as, as Nat mentioned, an absolutely ruthless Liverpool team. But Palace did make it easy for them. There was at least two or three goals that they just seemed to kind of give up. Roy Hodgson was fairly magnanimous at the end. And when you look at these results and you look at where Palace are expecting to be, what can a result do to do to them like they're not expecting to beat Liverpool at home they know that their bread and butter is the teams that are around them in the table and they've got a tough run between now and Christmas do you think this could tip them in a, in a negative direction um, it's, it's tricky I mean I think Crystal Palace have got enough quality and I think Hodgson's got enough experience and ability as a manager to, to sort of bounce back from this and not to let it sort of send them on their way and send them plummeting down the table but you know 
you have to be careful because a, a, a result like that, 7-0 at home, can just absolutely deflate you, as we've all sort of spoken about. It can get into the players' heads. As you mentioned, some of the goals that it gave away were very cheap goals. You wouldn't normally associate that with Roy Hodgson's side. So they've got to look at that and think, you know, we need to build, build on that, uh, bounce back from that. Sorry, we can't let that get to us. But if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think it will. I, I don't think Crystal Palace are going to sort of capitulate now and start plummeting down the table and end up battling relegation I think they're comfortably in mid-table and I think that's where they'll probably stay for most of the season I know that's not the most excited opinion ever but I think that there's just there's at least five or six teams that are a lot worse than them and who don't have the manager with the sort of the experience and the ability of Roy Hodgson so yes it's a bad day at the office but I don't think that should mean that this is going to be a bad season for them I think they'll be able to to bounce back from it as a Palace fan though they'll, they'll, they'll sorry the Palace fans will be hoping that happens sooner rather than later because what you don't want is this to become a thing where you know, it turns, it goes from being that mid-table security to a relegation battle. Because even if it did become a relegation battle, I still fancy them to stay up. But you don't want that to be how your season pans out. It's fighting near the bottom and just staying up. Yeah, obviously Palace fans will be looking at this and hoping they have a Southampton-esque reaction to their uh, loss like Southampton did when they got hammered 9-0 by Leicester and now they are absolutely flying high in the Premier League. Jay, Nat, you can shake yourselves off. There's no more Liverpool talk now. It's over with. That nasty <laughs> bit of Christmas is finished with. Jay got so upset by that that he accidentally called himself a Crystal Palace fan. I know, so, that, that was it. That was uh, I, I felt the pain that much of that 7-0 defeat. I felt like I was a Palace fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. That's it for part one. Grandma's been kissed, the sprouts have been eaten, the turkey's been burnt and there's no more Liverpool talk until next week. Join us after the break. We're going to be talking Jose Mourinho against Brendan Rodgers as Jamie Vardy strikes again against Tottenham. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Before the break, it was 7-0 for Liverpool away at Crystal Palace. Few less goals this time round, but not nearly any dip in excitement or importance to the Premier League table. Leicester 2-0 win away at Tottenham Nat. This is a big, big result in terms of the title race. Obviously, we've discussed Liverpool and the way that they put in performances like that against Palace that indicate they're going to run away with things. But when we talk about the teams that are going to be looking to drag them back and, and put manners on them, they beat Tottenham in midweek and then Tottenham have now lost to Leicester. Where does this result now put Leicester? They're up to second in the table, but in terms of where they could be in the title race, where, where do you see them? Yeah, massive, massive victory for for Leicester. You know, especially after losing midweek as well. Um, I think much like many teams in the Premier League, they just need to be able to deliver some consistency. And if they could get themselves into a run, you know, they they definitely up there challenging. You know, for the title, not just for the top four. The, the strange way this league is playing out at the minute. You know, you, when you look at the, the league, it's so it's so odd at the minute, isn't it? Like I feel like every, you know, there's, there's a good few teams that are still challenging for the title and. Maybe that's also just my hope that Liverpool are not going to run away with it as well. Um, but yeah, especially after they got beaten by Brighton in midweek, this was a really big game for them to you know to, to, to get a result for. Um, I didn't watch the game. I've seen the highlights and I've read the articles. And from from what I watched, it looked like a pretty poor game to be fair. But who cares? You know they they got the result and and Vardy remains on fire and you know it, it's a, it's a huge result for them. 
Jay, you'll know this as well as anyone with United. When when things are going well with Jose and his, his methods are, are working, people turn a blind eye to a lot of things. But on the back of this, this is two defeats in a row to two rivals at the top end of the table, Liverpool and, and now Leicester. But one of the most striking things from this performance is Rodgers almost played him at his own game. He knew exactly what Mourinho was going to try and do, let Leicester have the ball and try and use the power of Son and Kane to, to win them the game. But ironically, in, in someone like Vardy, Rodgers has got the expert at doing that in the Premier League and that's what picked him off. And when Jose's methods aren't sticking as they did uh, oh, sorry, as they didn't at United, the wheels start to come off. And whilst obviously he's still got a contract at Tottenham, and you know he'll obviously play this down, and he says that he's never in the title race, this could potentially be the stick and plaster starting to peel off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I heard his comments after the uh, the Liverpool game where he's saying the, the the best team lost. I think it was one it when he. Oh, I yeah. hate him. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, you know, when like. You know, you leave a job and you see the, the business, the company that you left sort of struggling and you think, that's why I got out of there. It's looking like, looking like back at Jose, just thinking, that's why I'm glad he's not my manager anymore because he comes out with that nonsense. You can sort of laugh at it when you, he's not your manager, but when he is, you think, oh, I don't miss those sort of comments after games when you just I watch the team. I don't laugh at it, you know, Jay. He just annoys me. I just think, oh, well, shut up. <laughs> I can laugh because he's not my, my problem anymore. But <laughs> I get where you're coming from because I, like, I just think there, but for the grace of God, go I. Because it's like, I remember those games where you'd like, you just watch an awful game of football and you'd lose and then you'd hear Jose coming out and blaming the linesman or whatever and you'd be like, what are you on about? Um, but going back to the, um, the Spurs game, um, sorry, the Leicester game, I thought Leicester played well. I thought Rodgers got his tactics spot on. And one thing, I felt James Madison was so unlucky when he was that disallowed goal. I don't know if you saw it. Because yeah, I've seen when I first, Yeah, when I first saw the offside decision, I thought, he's on. But I'm sort of, you know, not the brightest spark, as you all know. And I was looking uh, sort of along the line, just looking at the feet and thinking, oh, I think it was Aurelia, mm. uh, sorry, who was playing him on or whoever it was. I was like, oh, well, he's well in line then. But was it his armpit or something, or the usual or whatever it is, some nonsense, um, that had played him offside because it's such a well-taken goal. But one thing that strikes me is last season, Madison was missing money for a bit of it, and he's back now. Um, and I think they missed him when he, when he missed a few games towards the end of last season. If they can keep him fit, and if Jamie Vardy can keep scoring the goals, then like Nat said, you know, Leicester should be looking at it thinking we've got a chance here and you know they should have posters I'm sure they have got posters of the was it the 2016 title win and they'll look we've done it before when everyone wrote us off um, think we didn't have a chance and this league is a bit of a crazy league this season as well so so why not but yeah going back to Jose we always suspected that this could implode at any time I'm not saying it is just yet because he's still sat in fifth but with Jose Mourinho there's always that danger once he starts talking about you know, singling out players or blaming the owner or giving nicknames to the players that aren't too uh, kind, shall we say. That's when you really need to start worrying. Nat, but when you look at this result and Kane doesn't get on the score sheet and Son doesn't get on the score sheet and everyone's been singing from the rooftops what a partnership they've been so far this season. And then, as Jay said, post-match interview, Jose comes out and openly criticises the players without naming any individuals. You do get the sense that if those two don't click and Jose's plan A doesn't work, he doesn't have an alternative. And rather than maybe look to make changes or look to approach things differently, he'll just dig his heels in and insist that he's right. Well, I think it's fair to say as well that if a team scores against them first, they often are, you know, seem a bit baffled in, in how to sort of change up. But I think it is also fair to say that Schmeichel made an absolutely exceptional save at the end of the game. So if you've not seen that, you need to go and have a look at that, you know, his save, a reminder of, you know, what a top-class keeper he is. Um, but, you know, Son and Kane are absolute world-class players that would get into most teams in the world. So, you know, if you're reliant on them, I think that's OK as well. <laughs> um 
talking to top four players, Jay, Jamie Vardy's obviously going to take all the plaudits for Leicester. Brilliant record against top four, top six teams. He, he just doesn't really care who he plays against. If he gets a chance, if he gets a sniff, he will score. But your old uh, United defender, Johnny Evans, excellent at the back. Young Wesley Fofana, who's come in and been really good. Madison, that you touched on as well, unlucky to get on the goal on the score sheet. Yuri Tielemans is an excellent player. Some of these names just, just roll off the tongue. And when we talk about where Leicester can be at the end of the season, they do have for me they've got at least the Europa League squad or at least the Europa League side do they have a Champions League side? I think it's, it's you know without stating the bleeding obvious forgive me um, but it's just it does depend on their injuries because yes those players you've mentioned Johnny Evans has is, is done well for them I like Ndide I like Tillmans I like Madison and Vardy obviously just is a goal machine but you just feel like it's like a Jenga piece and if one of those is removed it's not even just Vardy people go oh they lose Vardy but even you know, we saw it last season. If they lose someone like uh, if Evans gets a lot, an injury or or Tillman's, I think they miss them as well. I think that can sort of because it's such a sort of tight squad that even that can stop them or can move them from being a Champions League challenging team to a a Europa challenging team, if that makes sense. So you know, I do think they've got the players out of the team to to challenge at the very top. I just don't know if they've got the squad. And if you look back to, I keep mentioning the time they won the title, but one of the things that kept them going was they didn't get any injuries, did they? They just had 11 players, the same 11, that went out and everyone was thinking, oh, sooner or later they'll tail off. And they didn't. Maybe they need a little bit of luck like that this time round. They need to keep a, a strong sort of 12 or 13 players. And then, yeah, definitely, because I'll tell you what, there's some real quality in there. And as I know they've had players going you know, like Chilwell to, to, to Chelsea or whatever, but there's still a very good nucleus of players there. And I think if they can keep them fit, then, as we've seen this season with the results, forgive me, Natalie, but against City and yeah, against Spurs yeah. as well, they can beat the <laughs> they can beat the bigger teams. So if you can do that and keep your consistency, then of course you can challenge for the Champions League spot, if not even go for the title. Do you know? Sorry, I, I, I saw um, before somebody saying on Twitter that I just loved. You know, Brendan Rodgers has now beat Pep and Chelotti, um, Besiktas and Jose this season. Like. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, those four managers, everybody plaudits, you know, the plaudits those four managers get. We know how talented those managers are. And he's just beating them all. Yeah, and I think that gets kind of lost in the conversation sometimes because I think he's he is a good manager and because of his meme ability he, he kind of gets forgotten about in this conversation and yeah you know we've all seen the David Brent comparison but he, he is a very good manager and Jay you get the sense with the direction that Leicester are going in he seems to be getting the players pulling in the right direction Vardy's probably the only massively recognisable name outside of uh, Leicester fan circles and when you've got a situation like that with maybe not world superstars in your team in your squad someone like Rodgers can get the best out of them yeah and I think me and you've spoken about it a few times on on this show that you know maybe this is the sort of club that suits him a bit more because you know he's, he's obviously been in a limelight with Liverpool and you talk about the memes you know you can live a day with you can live a week without water but you can't live a, a day without hope was my particular favorite one and all wow very deep James yeah, well, it's not, listen, I'm only phrasing, paraphrasing what he said. <laughs> um, and, you know, the three envelopes stuff and all that other nonsense that went on. And you think, oh, this guy is sort of David Brent-esque. But he went to Celtic, obviously won a lot of trophies, as, as you know, as a lot of Celtic managers do. But at Leicester, he's got this where the expectation probably isn't there. The, the attention probably isn't there. And the scrutiny isn't there like it was at Liverpool. So he can may, maybe enjoy himself a bit more because he does seem to be enjoying himself at Leicester. His players seem to be enjoying it. He's got some good players and he seems to have that loyalty as well. Players seem to like playing for Brendan Rodgers. You know, even players that have moved on 
more uh, more often than not will say good things about him and he does seem to be a sort of a, a player's manager if you know what I mean so yeah I think this this could be the, the winning form and we've been saying it I think he'll be massively disappointed the way things panned out last season the, the, you know the, at one point they were, I think they were third and people say maybe they're in the title conversation and then towards the end of the season they massively tailed off um, and ended up finishing outside of top four when it looked nailed on they were going to finish in the top four but I think this season they could do could go one better and at least get a Champions League spot if, as I said earlier, Brendan Rodgers can keep some of those key players fit. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say we can see how the Tottenham players and the Leicester City players will be spending their Christmases. Jose will definitely have Spurs in for extra training. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, probably throwing a few mince pies at Delhi Alley. Brendan Rodgers might give his lads uh, a bit of extra rest before their game on Boxing Day. We're going to call it there for part two. After the break, Nat and Jay will both be opening their wings to talk about their beloved Manchester City and Manchester United as it was a successful weekend for the City and in a rare situation, the two guys will be actually quite happy for once. Join us in part three. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an Hello episode. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Just a quick reminder, if you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new one every single day. We are here every day of the year, right the way through Christmas. We're going to be covering all the festive action, transfer, transfer gossip, match reports, match previews, absolutely everything for all 20 clubs across the English top flight. Now, before the break, it was Tottenham and Leicester. Now it's the focus on Manchester. Man City, 1-0 win away at Southampton. Nat, not as exciting as Liverpool banging in seven against Crystal Palace, but a win's a win. Yeah, and do you know what? I'm going to change my entire perspective that I said before and say a 1-0 win is brilliant. Um, <laughs> it was a, a really, really great victory for us. You know, defensively now, we've had seven clean sheets out of the last eight, um, conceded one goal in eight, obviously, against West Brom. Our defence looks absolutely and utterly rock solid, which is a really strange thing for me to say because obviously that is not what we were saying last year. Um, we've only conceded 12 goals in the league this year, which is lower than Leicester, you know, United, Liverpool by a mile. So defensively, we're looking really, really strong. And, you know, we know Southampton were on a great run. Um, you know, they're good, they're a decent team. Um, and it was just a really important, uh, really, really important win for us, especially coming off the back of that dismal derby display and then that awful draw against West Brom. Jay, it's been a cracking show for you so far. We've talked about Liverpool <laughs> knocking in seven and now we're going to talk about Man City winning 1-0. But on the back of the derby draw and then drawing against West Brom in midweek, it's obviously been a frustrating seven days or so for City. But that sort of a result with the amount of chances that they created and obviously leaving the back door open for Southampton, who, as Nat said, were banging form. Guardiola came off at full time and was... A bit of a relieved man. He, he played down, you know, any sort of significance of not being able to batter Southampton, and, and essentially just said, "We came here to win. We've won. Roll on to the next game." Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we said earlier, didn't we, about how you look back sometimes at these games, don't you? Go, you know, that was the the, the game where, you know, we just ground out result, we just got a result, and and those are the points you sort of m make up that difference. And listen, Southampton are a very good team this season. They've been sort of. Flying really, haven't they? They've been, I think, they up, up at one point. I think did they go top at one point, or they could have gone top at one point in the season. I think. Um, so it's, there are no pushovers at, at all. And, and you look at and you look at how, as, as Natalie mentioned there, the defensive 
issues, which I think were an issue for Manchester City. You know, they spent money on defenders in the summer and it was like, you know, one or two defenders looked like they weren't up to scratch. But, you know, likes of John Stones in particular, I think has been very good for Manchester City recently. And I think, yeah, you know, you go to Southampton, a difficult place to go, you get the three points, you keep another clean sheet, you put in what is a sort of title performance, don't you? It's just job done, move on. And, you know, you'd, I'd be very surprised if come the end of the season, Manchester City aren't in that conversation. So I'd say apologies as well, Jen. Um, gents, my three-year-old has just come in. So Reggie enjoys getting on podcasts that I am on. He's been on quite a few now and he likes to make a bit of a, um, a, bit of a name for himself. So apologies if you can hear him in the background now, everyone. <laughs> uh, Jay, obviously, <laughs> given, given the results that have gone against City, as I mentioned, the, the Derby and the West Brom, and then there's been some results earlier on in the season, Guardiola is almost doing a little bit of a Jose and trying to avoid the T-word. He doesn't want to talk about where they are in the table, whether they're going to be challenging Liverpool. Is the sensible approach for them just to focus on getting results on the board and then seeing where the land lies in the early stage of 2021? Yeah, 100%. 100% that's what they should be doing. You know, I mean, he's got more experience than anyone around this sort of thing, anyone who's around at the minute anyway. He knows what to do and you just keep going and then... You worry about it towards the end of the season, like you're saying, just focus on that. And that's what they've been doing. And it's like, OK, they've had a bit of an up and, up and down start, but now you look where they are. They're in a good position, getting the results, picking up points. And I think that, yeah, with that sort of experience, that knowledge and that belief as well. And people will know, the players will know when they've got a manager like that. He knows what he's doing. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's, this is sort of just random. There's a plan here. It's working. Stick with it and it'll come good in the end. And invariably, it pains me to say it does. Um, Nat, do you look at this and the results that are coming for City between now and the end of the year and, and moving into the first few weeks of January? Newcastle at home, Everton away, Chelsea away. Are you confident? Do you think this kind of approach from Pep of just focus on getting results on a game-by-game -game basis and, and see where we stand is the way to go? Um, I don't know, you know, I'd confident, am I confident being the question? Don't know, no, yes, <laughs> unsure, kind of like it this way, it's kind of exciting. Um, obviously, we've got Arsenal midweek in the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup, which is our cup, obviously, we, we, we love that. Um, happy to be playing them right now. Sorry, Fergal. Oh, yes. Um, but yes, I don't know, with City, it's just weird right now. I mean, but to be fair, like I've said, we're at, you know, it feels like we're really defensively solid. We're definitely creating chances, and I, that's really important. Um, if we could just get our, you know, um, a, you know, shots on target, or actually conversion, if we could just start getting a bit more consistency in that, and you're looking like the City that we, we were for the, you know, for the last sort of five years. I mean, we're one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring teams in Europe. So if we could just start clicking in, you know, the other end of the, of the pitch now, then yeah, I would start feeling confident, but I just feel like I need us to get a few runs, you know, a few wins together back to back for that sort of confidence level in me to, 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 to come back again. Um, one person that definitely knows the way to the back of the net is Danny Ings, Jay, your old friend, you love talking about him. You get the sense with Southampton that we talked about, obviously, Son and Kane at Tottenham or um, various players at Liverpool, Mane, Salah, Firmino. If they're not in the team, then there's always someone to come in and potentially give an option. But when you look at this Southampton team, as impressive as they've been so far this season, Ings limping off is 
going to be another spell on the sidelines. He's already been injured so far this season. And not to put a dampener on Southampton, because they have been impressive, but when you look at their home form against big teams, they lost 5-2 to Southampton, 3-2 to, to United, and then 1-0 to City this weekend. There is still a, a big chink in their armour, and with no Ings in the team over a busy Christmas period, this could be pretty, um, pretty tense for them. Yeah, no, it can, it can, and like you know, as you, I know you joke, but we have always spoke about Danny Ings and what a difference he made, um, and certainly turned their sort of you know last season what could have been a relegation season into something a lot more positive. They rely on his goals. I think he's got six already this season. Che Adams, World Prowse, players like that can weigh in. Even Theo Walcott, um, sorry for I shouldn't remind you that, but even he he pops <laughs> up with a couple. Um, but yeah, you would be worried, wouldn't you? You'd be like, okay, you know. He is such a massive um, part of this, uh, part of the Southampton's recent success that obviously they're going to miss him. So they need to get him back as soon as they can. But also, you need to see the players that I mentioned, the likes of Adams and Walprouse and Walcott and Vestergaard who've weighed in with goals. You need to see them keep that going as well because that is one sort of comfort you can take. It's not just been Danny Ings this season. It isn't just you know a one-man team. They have got other good players because you don't get to right near the top of the table if only one of your players can score goals. So they have got other players, but those other players need to step up now. And maybe some of the sort of fringe players who, you know, I want to say fringe, but like Nathan Redmond, players like that who, you know, don't tend to get amongst the goals much. Maybe they need to start weighing in with a few as well, because if that can happen, we know that uh, Hazard Hill has gotten well set up, gotten well organised, got that bit of belief, then this team could sort of stay near that top end of the table, but they need to have other goal scorers as well. They can't just be all about Danny Ings. Uh, right, Jay, we've kept you caged up for long enough. Teasing you, not letting you talk about United. Now is your time to shine. Jay, you appeared on Football Focus this week. Anyone that's a fan of Jay's sultry words got treated to be able to see his good looks, where he gave his view on uh, United <laughs> against Leeds and how they don't really care about City, they don't really care about Liverpool. What they really care about is dirty, dirty Leeds. 6-2 at home after not playing them in the Premier League for 16 years. Some afternoon, Jay. It was some afternoon, mate, and I was like, it was, it was surreal because I was feeling pretty confident, but, you know, it is like a, a derby-type game. I know it's not a derby, but you know what I mean. It's, that, it's like the games against City and the Scousers where, you know, it's one of the must-win ones, and I'm old enough to remember the rivalry properly. You know, I've been to Ellen Row and I remember the games against Leeds and when they won the title in 92 and all that other stuff, and we won it in 93 and, and everything that's gone on. And there's a real hatred towards these, these two sets of fans as well. It's even more so than perhaps with City and Liverpool, some of it can be really sort of nasty. So to get that, go into this game where you think, if United have a slow start like we're capable of, then this is going to be awful. It's going to be horrible. If Leeds come to Old Trafford for the first time in 16 years in the Premier League and beat us, I'm going to go and start watching rugby or something. I can't cope, seriously. Um, but yeah, to get that start, Scott McTominay with uh, two goals in the first three minutes, it was just unreal. And I think it was Victor Lindor for the fourth. I almost froze. I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, is this really happening? Um, and like the Leeds players seemed to freeze as well. So yeah, it's just a fantastic result. I feel for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. I feel proud of him because he's had so much stick. He gets grief all the time. Any sort of, not even a bad result necessarily, just a, a, a result that isn't great. You know, like the, we saw the, the recent game against City, the 0-0 at home against City. It's not the greatest result, but it's not a sackable offence. And there was people saying he should have gone after that. But he got his tactics absolutely spot on today against, against Marcelo Bielsa, who's apparently, you know, this tactical genius who's been doing it all over the world for, for decades. Only got it spot on. We got a load of goals. OK, Lee's got a couple as well, but 6-2. Even, even I can't moan about that one, mate. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, you've given it a good go. Jay pretending that he doesn't hold any scars over Bielsa after Bilbao knocked United out of <sighs> Europe a few there, years back. Um, in these sort of games, obviously, you, you expect your big players to stand up. Bruno got uh, got himself on the score sheet. But Scott McTominay's the big story. Two goals, two goals in the first five minutes. Do you think sometimes it is your, your squad players and, and your lesser-known lights that do stand up in these games? When you think of the players that have performed against City or against Liverpool in the last few years, sometimes it's been someone that you don't expect that's turned the key for, for Solskjaer and for United. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't just rely on the, the Brunos and the Rashfords and the Marshalls all the time. It has to be a bit more than that, especially if you can have any aspirations of challenging towards the top end of the table. And listen, we've got good players in the United squad. Your players that have performed, you look at even the sort of this idea that we've only ever performed under Oli since Bruno came in. And it's simply not the case. You know, you look at when he first came in as caretaker manager, we had all those results under him, that, mass, that, that amazing run. Even um, before... Bruno came in, OK, it wasn't going great, but we managed to beat Chelsea, we managed to beat City. We had some good results where the likes of Fred, the likes of McTominay, they were able to step up. So we know we've got a squad of players that can do that. I think we just don't have enough of them. That's my only worry is, well, you know, we, we talk about City and we talk about the Scousers and we look at, you know, they can rest players and, and they can go to tricky grounds and still get a result. I think United, we've got sort of three or four players that we can rotate, but once we start going a bit further than that, then we're in real trouble. So, yes, you do want those players to step up, and I'm really pleased for Scott McTominay because if I can give any advice to United fans, and I, take, I need to take this advice myself, just don't tweet out when the team is announced. Do yourself a favour because you're <laughs> almost invariably left with egg on your face because all I saw in my timeline was, I can't believe Dan James is starting and McTominay's in, what's going on here? He's lost the plot, Ollie. Why is Pogba not starting? And then, you know, three minutes in, everyone's eating the words. <laughs> I've got to say, though, about, about McTominay, the only positive I can take from your result is I'm Scottish. So really oh, happy for go. McTominay to do, to do well. And um, I managed to watch, watch most of the game. And am I... Right, Jay, tell me if I'm a little bit crazy or if I'm putting a lot of my hopes on McTominay in terms of Scotland. I'm, I'm saying he looked like Yaya Toure out there today. Like, he was you know strong. He was, like, doing step-overs. I was like, who? What? Hello? <laughs> I want to tell Fergal, send me a timestamp of when Nat just said that, right? I'm clipping that up and I'm pinning that on my Twitter as my pin tweet. Yes, Only he's I'm a Scottish yaya. Yeah, yeah. I love he is, that. He's a Scottish yaya. Yeah, yeah. I'm having I'm that speechless. Jay, you're going to have to handle this one. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I've Scott met so many posters on his wall. That's the, that's the line. From hey, I'm not going that far. Come on, it was one game. I'm, um, I'm, I'm hoping he carries it on for the season for Scotland at least. Yeah, um, listen, he. he he is a very good player, Scott McTominay. I think he sort of suffers a little bit because he's played alongside Fred as a defensive midfielder and I don't think he's a, a defensive midfielder, but that's where Oli prefers to play him. And I think that when he's given that little bit of freedom, like he was today, to get forward, we can see what he's capable of. And whether he ends up winning you know, titles and scoring 20 goals a season like Yaya Torre did remains to be seen. But if I was a Scotland fan, and I am a United fan, I'd be very happy with having Scott McTominay in my team because he's a very good player. And no matter what, whether he's playing badly or whether he's playing like he did today, he'll always give you everything. He'll always leave everything on the pitch. Uh, and he deserves it. You know, he's worked really hard. He's battled his way into this Manchester United team. And despite the signings we've made, you know, he's still there and he's still a big part of it. And I'm glad he is because he deserves it and Oli deserves it. 
Well, I think it's fair to say the Christmas spirit is uh, is definitely flowing here. I think Nat's been at the brandy though, or maybe she's been at the Christmas spirits. <laughs> Scott Torre, Scott McTorre, Yaya McTominay. I, I don't know. I don't even know where to pick apart that. Uh, three other games to, to whiz through before Natalie gets back on the cocktails. Uh, another weekend, another defeat for Arsenal. Two one away at Everton. Luckily for me, I'm absolutely delighted. We we just about saved ourselves from spending Christmas in the relegation zone. Nat, give a bit of real to this you know Arsenal fans and Arsenal fan Twitter can be a very dark and very worrying place where is Arteta is this is this the end for him do you think he's going to get the push or do you think he's going to get a bit of a stay of execution because surely this is as bad as it gets I don't know I feel like Arteta's position is fairly solid obviously you guys won the FA Cup last season I know that was a long time ago now um, but I think God Arsenal you've, you've got to I think You've got to stick with him, you know. If you're looking at Southampton, and and my my pronunciation is awful, by the way. I definitely called um, Bielsa Besiktas a minute ago, but um, Ralph Hasse, uh, ha- well, Jay, help me out here on the Southampton manager. Hasenhutl. Thank you. He's a perfect example of. Obviously, they got thumped by Leicester. They were, you know, struggling really badly. They stuck with the manager. They had patience. They got, you know, they stayed. They got behind him. And look what they're doing now. I really wish Arsenal fans and Arsenal as a club would do that for Arteta. And obviously, I've got a little bit of bias as well because, you know, he's he's come from up, you know, come come from City. Um, but I I feel like his position isn't in isn't in threat. I feel like they are going to give him a bit longer, even though obviously it is pretty much as bad as bad can get for you right now. Yeah, I think as we're heading to Christmas, we all have unrealistic hopes for what we're going to be opening up on Christmas Day. Arsenal fans being realistic is not one of them, Jay. I'm sure you'd agree with me on that. Um, I'm not even going to ask you because I can feel it, I can feel you smiling at me through your computer screen. So we're in uh, time. I need at least another hour to, to <laughs> talk about Arsenal's failings under Arteta. But no, I'm, I'm, I'll just briefly. I'm with that. I think he'll get time, and I think they're right to give it him. Yep. Uh, Newcastle won Fulham won strange situation for Fulham we all kind of had them down with Sheffield United as being dead and buried but they're getting scrappy points here and scrappy points there and there was a sense here against Newcastle that if they didn't get a man sent off they were the better team and possibly could have held out for for all three points but Scott Parker is not really in a position to be cutting off his nose to spite his face given where they are in the table but they're showing signs of life that they're at least going to make a fist of it I mean, if you want to put a positive spin on it, one loss in the last five, you know. Um, but That's creative the, maths right there. That is creative maths. I'm very good at that sort of thing, spinning th- it to look like, you know, it's, a, it's, it's going in the right direction. But you mentioned there, is it three draws now on the, on the bounce? Yeah. Okay, that's not, you know, but you need to start turning some of them into wins because, you know, it's so tight down there at the bottom of the table and Fulham, unlike the likes of Burnley and, and Brighton and even Arsenal, don't have that experience. They don't even probably have that though the the quality that some of those other teams do. So when you have got the opportunity to, to take all three points, you need to take it. And I think Scott Parker might be looking at some of these draws and thinking, you know, these are opportunities missed there. We could have had a, at least another couple of points, which coming in the season could make all the difference. So yeah, I think I think I, I, I like Scott Parker in terms of what he's doing, and I, I get it. I think he's very, it's very difficult for him. I mean, I don't say I like him in the sense of I don't know Old Trafford or whatever, but I think he's under the constraints he's got. I think he's doing a good job, but I think it's going to be very difficult. I think he needs to start. Just you need to pick it up a little bit because one point, you know, from some of these games just isn't enough. Did you um, do you guys see the penalty? I'd love your opinions on it. I think it's a foul, but I. 
definitely think it started outside the box. I think when yeah. Anderson's running back after him, pulls him, and, and you can almost see Wilson look down and think, I'm almost in, I'm almost in, I'm almost in, and then he goes down. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree yeah. with that. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, I think he did. It was just one of them, isn't it? It's just what I mean. It's like, uh, when, you, you know, when you're looking for points and things like that happen, it's just, it's, it sort of just seems to go against you, doesn't it? Um, Nat, Chris Wilder would, would give his right arm to be in Scott Parker's position on the, the lofty 10 points and 17th in the table. <laughs> Another weekend, you know, we kind of joked about Arsenal before and their results, but 14 Premier League games, no wins for the Blades so far this season. Chris Wilder just looks a, a beaten man. And when things are not going your way, they're really not going your way. They went down to 10 men, they got themselves in front, and you thought this type of a game away at Brighton, they might just be able to hold out. But uh, my friend and Jay's old friend, Danny Welbeck, pops up and just, oh. just ruins it for them. Like, nothing seems to be going right for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I saw some of the game, and to be fair, I, I thought there was... I thought they looked all right. Um, you know, I didn't see all of the game, but from, from the parts that I saw, I thought they looked all right. I think there's definitely some positives they can take from it. Um, they certainly, you know, I think a word um, that could be used to describe the game from their performance in the game would be gutsy, for, you know. Um, but, of course, they had the players sent off and um, Chris Wilder was really not happy with that. I saw his post-match interview where he sort of said that um, the game was in danger of becoming non-contact after, after that sending off. Um, so it's similar to the sort of situation with Fulham as well. When you're kind of down there, everything goes against you, you know, with, with their penalty. Um, but, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to get a win at some point. They have to. You would say that, Jay. Are you, would you even be that confident, given the way it's going? If they get a win, will Chris Wilder be the, still be in charge when they do it? I don't know, man. I mean, you're looking at it, it just makes horrible, horrible reading, doesn't it? Two points out of the last 14 games. And with that, I saw the, the game and I thought, they, I think they've actually, I've seen them a few times this season, not just against United, I saw them against, um, oh God, was it West Brom? And I saw, them, I saw this game as well. Um, and I think they always look up for it and they create chances. And I think they were very, I thought that was a harsh red card, I'm not going to lie. I thought that was a 50-50 challenge and at best, at best it was a yellow. Um, so I think that when you, it looks against you, it really is against you. But Time's running out from us. Everyone loves Chris Wilder, but you know, being likable or being liked and respected by rival fans isn't going to get you anywhere. If you're looking at it, not just getting relegated, they're going towards having the worst points tally of any Premier League in history. So it's oh. not, I know it's you know not the most insightful statement, but they just need a win. It's just that simple. They need a win, and if it doesn't happen soon, then I think they're going to have a new manager, regardless of how much we all love Chris Wilder and his never, brand of uh, never. honesty. Never, they're never going to sack him, Jay. Never. Do you reckon? Never. They, he's too. He's too well loved by the fans. I don't even think they're, they're not turning on him now, are they? At this point, I, I, I'd never. No, I, I think they're, I think you're right with the fans. Up. I just wonder if. I mean, I don't know a lot about Sheffield United's board. I just wonder whether they'll be as patient. But um, you know, from an outsider without a real dog in a fight, I hope you're right because I do like the guy and I do like the way he's really honest, regardless of whether they're winning or losing. He always comes out and says the right thing. So hopefully, you know, he does get a chance. But yeah, it's just grim reading, isn't it? Yeah, so there's going to be no early Christmas present for Chris Wilder and no actual Christmas Day present for him because they will be bottom of the league when we celebrate Christmas on the 25th. But you'd be a pretty Scrooge figure if you were to deny him a little bit of joy before New Year's. Come on, Wilder, get yourself a win. That's it for today's show. Jay, Nat, thanks so much for coming on. No, thanks, thanks for, for, thanks for having me, man. Do you know what I mean? It's always a pleasure no. to come on here when we beat Leeds 6-2. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think podcasts were a thing the last time you beat them, were, were they? I think it was still just the, the wireless. We used to use, uh, what we used to do is we used to write it down on a piece of paper and hand deliver it. <laughs> It wasn't even social media, was the last time yeah. you played them? That's, that's a real, real, real example of Derby bitterness, being so bitter that you'll deliver the handwritten result when you've won a game against that. your rivals. What a little bit of Christmas cheer that was for Jay. Uh, as for the podcast, we will be back tomorrow. I will be back tomorrow with Matt Pidd and Marley looking at Sam Allardyce's return to the Premier League as West Brom take on Aston Villa, as well as previewing the Monday night action as Burnley host Wolves and Frank Lampard's Chelsea take on Jim Salvador. He's not the manager, but Jim Salverson's West Ham in the Monday night action. Don't forget to join us then, and we'll see you very, very soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.